Hey everybody, it's Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. How are you? Happy Monday. Hope you guys had a great freaking weekend. I did. I was in Arizona with Adam Devine and we did shows and they were great. Got me really pumped for the tour, which starts in a couple weeks, man. Um, the Adam Devine comedy tour all over the country. Tickets are at LiveNation.com. We start in Detroit on February 11th, and we end on March 4th here in Los Angeles at the Wiltern Theater on March 4th. It's a Saturday night. Uh, those shows are great. Adam uh, crushed, got his uh, his hour ready, and and uh, we're going to hit the road, man. So so come out and see us. Dates, uh, they're all on my website, adamraytv.com or livenation.com for tickets. Uh, today's episode is fucking, if you love comedy, in particular Saturday Night Live, uh, our guest is Hugh Fink, who uh, wrote for SNL in its frickin' heyday. That's two frickins, by the way. What am, what am I cleaning up my voice? Trump's taking away the F-bomb. That's right. Nobody can say it but me. I'm the only one who can say fuck. Fuckity fuck. Only when you're fucking the country can you say the word. Oh, Jesus. Um, so anyway, this episode is uh, is stocked full of, of amazing SNL stories. Uh, Hugh worked there during the heyday. Will Ferrell and Tracy Morgan and Sherry O'Terry and... And Fallon, and uh, he also wrote and created the Showbiz Show with David Spade because uh, he was around uh, with Spade and, and Sandler. And uh, dude, he's just a, a, a beast of comedy. One of the the sharpest minds and best writers. He's uh, friends with Apatow. He wrote for the Muppets. Um, a great stand-up and on Letterman a bunch and uh, and a solid dude. I met him. He's one of the first real vets that I met and became uh, homies with um, when I started. And uh, he's been a great dude ever since. And I hadn't seen him. We hadn't talked in a couple years. So this was uh, a reconnection of sorts with a uh, comedy uh, uh, legend, I will say. Because he is. He's, he's done everything. Written for the Oscars, for Steve Martin. Anyway, you're going to love this episode. It's a, it's If you're a comedy fan, it's really one of the best. His stories are... Uh, I have never heard them until uh, now. Uh, some some great uh, deep cut insights. Follow. Uh, wow, deep cut insights. Sounds like a Harrison Ford movie. This fall, one man tries to do the impossible. I'm gonna climb that wall, even though they told me I couldn't. Harrison Ford, don't do it. Sigourney Weaver, I think he can do it. Amari Stoudemire, in the role nobody thought he could play. Am I supposed to be here? Oh, just tell me if I need some help. Deep Cut Insights. Just when life couldn't get any feckin' weirder. <laughs> oh, man. I want to do the TV trailer so bad. Uh, all right. Enjoy this episode. Follow Hugh on Twitter at Hugh underscore Fink. He's on Facebook at Hugh Fink. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Adam Ray Comedy. Brad at Funny Brad at Alien Podcast on Instagram. Uh... Uh, uh, what else? Uh, tour dates. Like I said, Adam Devine uh, tour starts uh, February 11th through March 4th. Tickets at AdamRayTV.com and LiveNation.com. I'm in L.A. for the next two weeks doing a lot of in-town shows, so please come to those. Uh, Brad Williams will be in Erie, Pennsylvania this weekend uh, at the uh, Junior's Last Laugh, Thursday through Saturday. Go see Brad. Get your tickets at uh, Junior'sLastLaugh.com. And then go see Brad uh, at the Funny Bone in Syracuse, February 16th through the 18th. Get your tickets at funnybone.com. 
Um, again, the merchandise has been moved from Estoy. We have a new setup coming. Brad has confirmed it will be available next week. So send, a, again, your merch request to aboutlastnightpod at gmail.com. Aboutlastnightpod at gmail.com. And we will take care of your merch stuff until we get the new website set up. Uh, I think that's it, baby. So many great apps coming. Uh, TJ Miller on the way. Blake Griffin on the way. Um, man, uh, really pumped. I'm going to be doing some, some, some podcasts from the road with Adam Devine and Kyle Walsh, uh, live from the road. That's going to be crazy. Going to try to do one each night, uh, which will be a dope little slice of, uh, behind the scenes, what the tour life is like. So make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends and family to subscribe about last night on iTunes. Tell somebody, tell one person a month, make that, you know, make that something you do and spread the love or laugh too hard at your work. Like people tell us to do, which is really fucking cool. I'm when I get messages that say, I got in trouble for laughing too hard. So awesome. Speaking of awesome, now that we got the two dates out of the way, those are the Twitter handles, and that's the lack of merch info. So now sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with the hilarious Hugh Fink. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a juice, so why don't you sit down and listen to a dope podcast. That yeah, that's that's way too long. I know. Three years. Yeah. Well, it's good to see you. Good to see you. The Pirates actually became decent. Oh, when yeah. I saw you. Oh yeah, big Pirates fan. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Here's the thing I love about Pittsburgh sports Don't. is that all the same colors, all black all and gold. Black and gold. Right. Penguins, Pirates, Steelers. Right. Is that unusual? Very. Because here, I mean, we're we're we're. Trojans, but then if we wear like blue and kind of gray for the Dodgers, Dodgers or something, right. now we're supporting UCLA or like it, it, it's weird. Like there's all there's uh, Lakers is purple and gold, yeah, and right. then yeah, it, the Chicago Bears are nothing like the Cubs colors. Yeah, it, 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 I, I think that's a wonderful thing that Pittsburgh did and said, you know what, black and gold. Every day, Every day, yeah, you you can wear a Steelers jersey to the Penguins game. That's a good point. Yeah, and you're and you're still covered, right? Or you just wear a black shirt with gold letters that says Pittsburgh, and, and you're still boom. in the in the vein. Yeah, you're done. Uh, Do you have any sort of um, I don't know jealous feeling seeing the Cubs? Uh, I hate the Cubs. <laughs> but my you get on that mic as much as possible. Oh yeah, or you can pull it close to you if you, you want. Pull closer. Yeah. Um, I hate the Cubs. I think Madden is brilliant. But yeah, he's an arrogant ass. <laughs> So I do not like him. He really well. is. He's and arrogant. Yeah. Super arrogant. You get that from his interviews or his... Yes, his interviews. Or his blogs. Interviews. <laughs> yeah. The interviews. I hate Jake Arrieta. Wow. I think he's a steroid guy. Wow. Oh, you do? I absolutely... Throwing it out there. You, 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 you <laughs> heard do. it here first. You think, yeah, everybody. I don't believe that you go from being a highly mediocre player yeah. to having a season like that. No, I don't... That is it. crazy. It's hey, crazy. even as a Dodger guy, I would say that about Rich Hill because Rich Hill was a journeyman. Journeyman. Just right. never really like great... It just defies medical... Yeah, and athletic. then this year becomes an ace at age 36. You're like, you all right. question. Exactly. And, no, yeah, no there's no mechanical adjustment that you make no way like randy johnson was you could tell he was going to be great because he was 610 ryan totally you're just like okay you're going to make like your your control will get better but that's something that makes sense within the game i mean old school scouts aren't stupid yeah they can look at someone physically and go he's at best a you know 
a utility infielder. Yeah, and they're sure. always right, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, there's a few exceptions. Yeah. So and then are are well, you a are you a big baseball guy like is that huge baseball so that well, all sports but particularly baseball yeah, yeah what was the, the the baseball bit you did in your last Letterman appearance that we uh, yes, you well, worked out on Mark and well, the show the, the Vin Scully yeah it was the Vin Scully but <laughs> no. I remember how how then, how appropriate that he's just uh, exactly had his and then last I game. called back. Come on, Bobby, just for Letterman. Yeah, yeah. He loves yeah. the bit. So yeah. the crowd didn't even know what I was doing, but <laughs> yeah. Dave loved it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> come on, Bo- come on, Bobby. That's like one of your cla- yeah. That's like one of your classic you. bits. It is. Yeah, but it, so, so it, I had done it, it on brilliant. Letterman my first time. Thank you, and mm-hmm. he loved it. And his writers told me he used to do it on the office. Wow. So my last appearance. Letterman's quoting you around the he office. He would just do it. He would just go, "Come on, Bobby," and he'd crack up. So my last appearance in the middle of my set <laughs> yeah. after doing a baseball bit. I just went, come on, Bobby. And Dave's with it, he just goes, <laughs> And the crowd had no clue. They're like, why is Letterman laughing at come on, Bobby? To be like, this one's Thank for you. me and Dave. By the way, that came from being that confident. To yeah. Be, because my first or second appearance, no way. Oh, no sure. Because you're just feeling it I'm out. Feeling like, I know Dave a little now. I'm comfortable. Yeah. But and, that really comes with it. And now your last appearance, was that during his farewell tour? So you knew it was going to be not your last quite, appearance? No, it was a couple of years before. So oh, okay. I did not know. And I was truly bummed. Yeah. He, was it, he, he, he was your guy, yeah? He I was mean. my guy. And I feel like what he represented to my group of comedians, yeah. meaning someone who was sort of not just as a stand-up, but I mean daring and the way he yeah. did his talk show. There's really nobody completely innovative, yeah, and just doing stuff that I mean, you could do classic bits like the Alka Seltzer suit, you know that Silly. thing. And but then he did the he did one that was so Kaufman esque, where he did an entire episode with the feed of the of the camera. Kind of shifting around, right? So you, so you didn't quite know if 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 your TV was busted or if that that like, was the old show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the uh, that was a late night, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just completely innovative and not afraid. I mean, as much as Fallon, uh, Jimmy Fallon, fills a niche, uh, you would never have Donald Trump go on Letterman right now and have Letterman just. Ruffle no his hair way. and then no, not do anything about you it. You said it like he became the only relevant interviewer right. of any of these guys because it was on Leno. Had yeah. no interest in interviewing people. Right or or balls. yeah or just yeah he just wanted to play it right he down the middle. Right. He didn't, he didn't want to upset anybody. And the new crop. I, I mean, yeah, Colbert's the exception, but mm-hmm. Conan obviously never known for his interviewing skills. Interview right, he's a great show, and so Dave stood out. Yeah, my favorite one, and I hate that it's. My favorite interview is wasted on this celebrity, but it was so, but it was so brilliant. Uh, Paris Hilton, I remember. Oh God, it was fantastic. Hey, Paris Hilton goes on, goes on to promote. I don't know a handbag company or a whatever a show, and Dave does not let her off the hook for the sex tape. Yeah, just keeps coming back to it. Keep and then uh, and then Paris like, well, I've done other things, and and, and Dave's just kind of like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure everyone just wants to talk about the sex tape. So the sex tape, and I think <laughs> they said too, like she made a thing where it was like, don't bring it up. Yeah. And he was just like, you don't get okay, to tell. Well, this is my show, and yeah. you telling me no is just make me want to do it more just to see your reaction because yeah. that's gonna be great TV. You're you're exactly. you're rich and famous because the semen that made you opened up some hotels. <laughs> I'm David fucking Letterman. You don't tell me how to run my damn show. Yeah, the hotel should have been called the semen that made you. <laughs> the semen that made me. And he did the same thing, by the way, to Janet Jackson after so the Super after Bowl. The Super Bowl thing. So she oh. was very cautious to do any interviews after the Super sure. Bowl. And she sits down and he immediately goes. So what happened? And she she said quite seriously, um, I was told that um, I'm here to talk about my album. And he <sighs> goes, 
Well, that's not what I want to talk about. <laughs> He's got one famous titty, and that's <laughs> he what was we relentless. <laughs> you had you you had like uh, you had almost a billion people see see your titty on a live halftime, and we got yeah. Let's talk about that. That yeah. had to have been. I mean, that's calculated, right? Do you think moves it, like that? It seems like it? in hindsight, people are all saying that it was. But yeah. you know what's incredible, Adam? CBS paid a record fine yeah. to the FCC for that. Did they yeah. really? Oh, absolutely. I think it went. It did. If it didn't go to the U.S. Supreme Court, it went very high in legal circles. But they paid a hefty fine, Jesus. and it kind of did change it did. the law. Yes, yeah. in a bad way. And yeah, it, it made it, it made that now absolutely almost nothing is on a live, true live. is on a true live exactly. feed. Now everything's on at least a five second delay. That's right. Which is amazing that that's a true and b that even though everything is on a little bit of a delay, you still in sports. You still get like the microphone going into the going into the huddle, going, "Oh yeah, fuck this guy," and like you still hear it, and it's still funny as hell. Totally, I I, I love when that happens. Oh, absolutely, it, 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 it's the absolute best. Or you had a uh, something happened in the NBA Finals last year where LeBron showed his dick like to live to live TV, just like he was like adjusting his jersey or something. And I I guess when you have something that big, uh, <laughs> it just kind of pops out. Not that I not that I was looking. LeBron called me, uh, but. It, it, like it, it did did it really change much because now I think that the rules are getting kind of lax again. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we we do want to talk about LeBron's dick the entire time. Not I mean, the, no, some more. <laughs> we, uh, we 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 can devote a, a hard ten minutes to it. Sure. Yeah. But now on top of being a great stand-up comic, uh, what I think is amazing about you, Hugh, is that when people think of comedy writing, you're you. You and like Greg Fitzsimmons to me, like in the comedy community, are like the top of the top. Um, I'm just going to list some of these uh, things you've written for, just to uh, remind you and let our listeners know: uh, Comedy Central roast of Rob Lowe, uh, a Muppet Christmas, a Letters to Santa, which <laughs> is one of my favorites. That's Adam's dream. Uh, Showbish created, wrote, and produced Showbish shows with David Spade. Um, uh, Academy Awards hosted by Steve Martin. Uh, the CNN show breaks the news with Dale Hughley. Um, you do that pilot with Marilyn Reichcub for E. Um, Saturday night, Saturday night live from '95 to 2002. I mean, do which out of all those, which one pops out as far as like the when you felt as like your writing chops really kind of like um, you became Hugh Fink. That's a great <laughs> question. Saturday Night Live for sure. Yeah, because it was really. The first good show I had written on. I had right. written on a couple not-so-good shows, mm. but then SNL. And then after SNL, I would say The Showbiz Show. Yeah. For sure. Well, that's something you created, too. Correct. So, that I mean, that's kind of like that's kind of like your baby. That's right. Uh, I know how... I've heard a million stories about how people get on SNL as performers. How do people get on SNL as a writer? Pretty much having to have some professional in with someone who's on the show. Right. In my okay. case it was David Spade. Oh no shit. So we okay. were contemporaries of stand up. And how'd you how'd you get cozy with David? I mean so, which should be a talk show right there. there yeah. was a lot Getting of, cozy with David. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of buzz about this super sarcastic, sardonic kid from Phoenix, which uh-huh. was Spade. So I'd heard all these things about him before he came to town. I was inclined to go, Come on, what could be the big deal? Yeah. Then I did see him do Melrose improv one yeah. night and I go, he does have something different, I gotta say. Mm-hmm. And yet we sort of had there were some similarities to us because we're both not tall, super fearless, willing to sort of say mean things about celebrities. Yeah, 
but he obviously had his own sure. unique way of expressing it. Yeah, we get it. Not tall people are <laughs> way better than tall people. That's, <laughs> Thank you. That's what I'm Notice getting. How I said not right. tall. You like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that was to protect my own. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't want to say short in I front of the not, four yeah, foot four yeah, guy. Exactly. Oh yeah, five foot four. Right, so <laughs> short. Exactly. <laughs> not tall. Thank you. Thank Spade, you. Spade would appreciate it too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so. I think that he had heard about me as well from mutual friends. Like, oh, right. he was a funny guy. And so this is absolutely true. He met me at the Melrose Improv Bar, and without hardly any pomp and circumstance, he was like, hey, Fink, Spade, so listen, I'm up for a movie <laughs> part, and I had to do a French accent, and someone told me that you speak French, which I do. Yeah. So he goes, could you help me with the accent? Yeah. It's just like, I learned a lesson that people who do well in this business, you kind of have to have that laser beam. Yeah. Ask for what you want. Yeah. No sure. apology. Yep. And yeah. so I helped him, and he said thanks, but you know, not too much. And we sort of became friends from that moment. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then as his career progressed and mine did, he ends up on SNL as a writer, performer, mm-hmm. and starts doing Hollywood Minute. And I, I wasn't there when he created Hollywood Minute, but he quickly started reaching out to me for jokes. Sure. Wow. Because the pressure was on. He wanted to have yeah. great stuff. And that's also how he probably saw it as his end to make a name for himself on the show. So it's like you want to deliver every time. And if he didn't see his way in, I think others on the show, like Robert Smigel or Al Franken or whoever said, Spade, this is your end. Yeah. Right. Because I don't think he probably realized how daring that was. Totally. For the early 90s. Yeah. I mean, it's the reason why Eddie Murphy didn't come back for all those years. Yeah, exactly. Oh, look a falling star. That's right, which I was a part of. You, was- <laughs> did you write that line? I did. And- oh, wow. <laughs> you kicked Eddie Murphy off NBC for 20 years. <laughs> I was there when Spade got the phone call from Eddie. No what? shit. And he was really, really nervous. It was really you uncomfortable. Think? Eddie had oh my God. threatened to come down to 30 Rock if Spade didn't call him back. He had already called a few times. Wow. And David was just, I can't deal with this. Yeah. And then someone delivered him a message that he says, you better get on the phone or he's going to show up here. And then what? I mean, Spade agreed to call him. Yeah. And I think it was like an intermediary. What I remember David saying, because I wasn't on the phone, but I was there, is a woman said, David, I have Eddie Murphy. Gentlemen, go ahead. Like one of those referees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gentlemen, go ahead. And ding, ding. He just started screaming at Spade. It wasn't even a, hey, man, I got to talk to you. Yeah. He was clearly wasn't a conversation. so angry. Wow. And just laced into him. How wow. did David take it? Trembling. Just, yeah. Just silent. It's Eddie Murphy. And for anyone, and not just any comic of that era, but any comic ever, Eddie Murphy's a hero. Eddie Murphy's is an influence. There's that. You're right. And there's also that I know. People find it paradoxical, but Spade feels bad when someone's feelings are hurt by a joke because his attitude is, it's just comedy. Right, and he's not tr- he's, he's not trying to hurt people. He's not trying to hurt people, but the way Eddie was expressing this rage yeah. just makes you feel crappy. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So what, uh, is there a different, is there a pressure even when he asked you to help write bits for SNL or, I mean, or because you weren't, um, so when you started writing bits and then you got hired. That's right. What okay. happened is... David, in a great way, started saying, you know, Fink, you'd be a good writer on this show. I'm going to do what I can. And, of course, mm-hmm. you guys know how that works. A yeah. lot of times people just say it. You take it yeah. lip but service. Spade, to his he credit, meant it. meant it. And he started, uh, you know, telling the inner circles about me. And then I had the privilege of, he was shooting Coneheads mm-hmm. out here. Right. And he said to me, I have to have dinner with Lorne Michaels tonight. Please come. Wow. And you're like, Yes. <laughs> 
I, exactly. I'll cancel anything. What I didn't know was yeah. it was Lauren, his assistant, David, and me. That's it. I thought it was a whole group. Right. So I show up. It's just the three of them and me. Kind of perfect, right? Kind of perfect. Yeah. Holy crap. Because you were just you were maybe expecting a group thing where David just wanted a friendly face that he could kind of confide in. Precisely. Not a table of four where no matter what you say, Lauren will hear it. Exactly. So amazing. I look back on that and go, I think I played it smart, which is I decided less is more. Yeah. Which is that I wouldn't say much, but mm-hmm. I do remember the one thing I said mm-hmm. that Lauren sort of acknowledged. Like, oh, he was. They were talking about Dennis Miller. Yeah. And Lauren was saying. You know, the thing with Dennis is he didn't graduate from high school. He didn't go to college. And so he feels insecure. So that's why he's always named references and obscure intellectual things. Because he wants the world to know that he's smart. Wow. And Mm. I sort of listened to this and I said, Lauren, that's the equivalent of um, people trying to show off their classical music knowledge (laughs) by by saying they like Pachelbel's canon. (laughs) And Lauren's like... Exactly. <laughs> and of course, I Good could draw on that because I'm a classical violinist. Yes, you play, you play I, the violin. Right, but I knew that Lauren would get that. Wow. And so, a few days later... All our listeners are like Googling, why is that funny? Wait, what the fuck? And I d- it had to have worked because the feedback I got was, da- was Lauren's assistant told David, Hugh really, uh, Lauren liked your friend Hugh. He thought he was really smart. Wow. There you go. And it's interesting because I think Lauren does respect smart people totally you know and of course smart funny people but i wasn't doing anything to show off that i was funny that's probably a smart move on your part because so. you, you want to take a few swings mm-hmm. rather than rather than just take a whole bunch and 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 also i think a guy like that too when he's just seen so much that's like what are you what really are you gonna, gonna do, do that's gonna yeah. make him Come go on. holy shit no that's, right. a, that's a great point yeah and, and i also felt incredibly honored to be part of this confidential conversation and he, right. he's talking about you know, not personal gossip, but his opinions of yeah. people and yeah. the Coneheads movie. And do you then, think he had some, yeah. something calculated where he was almost asking questions to see, like, I wonder what Hugh's opinion on this it's is? It's a really good question. I think no, but what I think is that the way his mind works is after the fact. Yeah, he probably went, "Who is that guy? Yeah, he's a friend of yours. No, he's a stand-up. Yeah. Oh, what's his, his writer? Story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. And good for you to speak up with that one joke because you also know, that, like, less is more, but. In that less, I need to kind of hit home runs that, because this is a potential audition for the job. And you know what? If he hadn't wanted me for the job, yeah. at least I could have taken solace that he thought I was smart. Yeah, and sure. That counts for something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. It's so like put that on the resume. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren is so like uh, I've heard. I, I I can never get enough SNL stories and the mind games I've heard from people that Lauren plays, whether if he does it on purpose or on accident maybe a little bit of both i mean shit the man uh has said three words to me and it fucked with my head mm-hmm. uh and then i was privileged enough john ranitsky got me into a snl after party and i didn't talk to lauren the whole time because who the fuck am i to talk to lauren michaels and at the on on the way out he touches my shoulder and i turn around like huh and then lauren just goes Thanks for coming. And then walks out. I'm like, wait, does he know? Does he know who I? What? Wait, wait. I mean, uh, did he, was he just saying that? Does, did, does he, am I on his radar? Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. And then in those three words, because it's Lauren Michaels, for, I could see why you'd react that way. Though. Yeah, it, it's it's completely fucking with my head. Right. And it probably meant absolutely nothing. And yet, one doesn't know. One doesn't know <laughs> because with Lauren, it could. I mean, uh, that, now with. Cast members, it's always like he's ambiguous in terms of when he tells them you have the job. He just says something like, "How would you like living in New York?" You know, right. and then it just kind of happens. Is he more direct with the writers? No, I would say it's similar. Same thing. In my situation, 
I had been told he he's going to offer you a job. Yeah. So I would have been shocked if I had walked out of there not feeling like I had been hired. Right. Mm-hmm. But he kind of jumped right in. I remember he asked me some personal questions where I was from, my parents and stuff. But then he started discussing. We had this idea that Spade would do his own segment. You might remember called Spade in America. Yes. Yeah. I had created. That was my idea. Nice. I will say my idea was to call it Spade in the USA because I thought it had a nice rhyme. Yes. So Spade's like, that's really cool. Tell Lauren about it. So when I went into his office, he'd already been tipped off. And I said Spade in the USA. And and Lauren very quickly said, right. No, I think Spade in America. Like, he let me know. That's We're just, not going to call it a rhyme. Yeah, which I thought was right. interesting. Yeah, and you know what? His instincts were probably good. Yeah, maybe the rhyme made thing. America kind of right an offset of that. Exactly. So, maybe yeah. the rhyming thing is is too easy. Also, mm-hmm. he wants to put his stamp on something, right? Like I, I, I would venture to guess that he's the type to not like open to great ideas, but wants to it be involved somehow. Well, particularly with someone who's never written yeah. for his show <laughs> yeah, and sure. I had no credentials other than I was a stand-up who right. Spade said was funny. Did you? Uh, who, what cast members did you really gel with uh, other than Spade? For a season? Because um, 95 to 02, I mean, that's Will Ferrell, Molly Shannon, absolutely. right? Well, I was the first guy to gravitate to Tracy Morgan because no one at the show understood... Tracy, I mean, he's a guy from the projects of Brooklyn. And I don't think we even now understand Tracy. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, these Harvard writers were like, oh, sure. I don't quite understand who this guy is. Whereas yeah. I, of course, have always had a, uh, I felt like an affinity with black audiences. Yeah. Black well, I mean, audience. taking a look at you. Thank you. I think. <laughs> Hugh Fink. You mean because I'm not tall? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. people not tall, we, we know, we, we are literally closer to the streets. I hear you. Everyone's <laughs> always said, too, Hugh is black below the waist. And <laughs> that is, you know, it's, it's your, on your Twitter handle. Thank and, you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I was aggressively with, like, pitching ideas to Tracy. And Tracy was this... He was so shy and yeah. insecure at the show. Wow. To be in this, you know, world of all white comedian writers. It was sure. very foreign to him. But I was patient, and I so I really did do some stuff with him. How was on. your, uh, I mean, what was your tact as far as, like, trying to reach out and, and build a, a bond with him? At first, I would say, hey, you know, can you do an Al Sharpton impression? Can yeah. you do this? But then I would just start coming up with ideas. And Tracy's, in a great way, he's just like, I'm feeling it. That sounds great. Like, he just... Wanted to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, an incident that happened, though, season one, where I wrote him an Al Sharpton bit. Mm-hmm. was very proud of it. And he came to me before the table read yeah, and said he didn't want to do it because he was afraid of what would happen in his community if he dogged Al Sharpton. Oh, really? Furious. I had spent, you know, sure. stayed up till five in the morning. Which is what you do on a, Sunday night? Se- uh, Monday night. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Tuesday, okay, yeah, Wednesday's okay. the table read. Gotcha. So gotcha. I've been up all two. So, not to be a dick, but because it's protocol, yeah. I went to the producer on the show who was the liaison between cast and writers. Yeah. And I told him what happened. And he's like, let me handle this. <laughs> Apparently, he kind of tore Tracy an asshole, new wow. asshole, and said, you don't do that on the show. Wow. Writer writes something for you. You don't have the luxury to say whether you want to do it or not. This is Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And to Tracy's credit, he wrote me a handwritten apology. There you go. And I think got me a gift. Thank you. I'm going to get you pregnant. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. And wow. so from then on, Tracy never he was game. that. He yeah. was game. Yeah. What, that there, was I remember early on in our friendship, you telling me, I mean, so many great sketches, but there was, but I, and I wish, maybe you can just remind us of a few, but there was a few that were like some of my favorite of all time that when you told me you did them, I lost my shit. Sure. Do you remember which ones? Well, those? 
I think we talked about I wrote all of Norm Macdonald's Larry King's yes and I was oh, so proud of those oh, yes, you God. guys being yes. you know who you are and what you do there was just a purity to them yeah because there were yeah. these hard <laughs> one line sentence jokes but so about the time like you know Larry's ridiculous egomaniacal right. commentary on politics and sports <laughs> but you know some of them were downright mean yeah. Larry Carter is a hell of a baseball player so that one you heard it here first so that one I put in the category of like saying yeah. saying the bland obvious right, right then there were right. mean ones like does anyone really care about the special Olympics <laughs> then there were ones that were just him taking a stance on something that no one would like he right. like rape is wrong anytime any place <laughs> but Norm loved them and sure. It's sort of like kismet to have Norm Macdonald doing Larry King at that era. I mean, also, and for Norm to be still the comedy genius that he is and being so still so relevant, I mean, to have worked with him in that capacity is, like, I'm sure is not, um, does not pass you by as something it incredible in your career. I honestly still think about the table reads and just... Because that room's pretty tough. You yeah. Know, people up, but I think Norm would always crush, no? Or, or was uh, he Norm kind of... did. He tended to crush. Cause we, but what I remember specifically was Lorne laughing so hard. Which never happens. Not so much. Occasionally, he does. But I just felt like, wow, he's actually unable to control himself, and Lorne himself is laughing. I the thing that. is, wow. I swear Larry King saw these sketches, and now this is who he is on Twitter. If you follow Larry King on Twitter, this is the kind of stuff. And I'm I just pulled up his Twitter page, so this isn't like a planned right. thing that I scoured his Twitter yeah. for. Here's uh, here's his last three tweets. Boy, if only Bacon were healthy. I never remember my dreams. The weirdest flower is Petunia. It's, <laughs> That's his Twitter. <laughs> he became the bit, didn't he? He became his bit. Incredible. Why do kids have to take geometry? Wow. Well, <laughs> that's a, that is a thing, a thing that someone yeah. wrote on Twitter and said, wow, this needs to be put out in the world. And you remember, at the time I wrote those sketches, he had a column in USA Today called News and Views. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's what I used as my marquee, and they were all followed by an ellipsis. Yes, so, and these are too. Exactly. And then, so. he has, and then he uses the hashtag, it's my two cents. It's my two cents. <laughs> You're right. Hey, another one take it from me, gang. There was another one. It's my two cents. Remember one was... Does anybody remember baseball cards? <laughs> yes, we do, Larry. Yeah, yeah, They're like, actually still around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like, <laughs> the, the, the beautiful thing is you could get bits from the show and put them together with his tweets now. You would not be able to tell the difference. You're actually right about that. Some of them would actually be, I don't know if Larry really said this. Yeah. It, I remember one that it tells you exactly what year it was. It said, um, if you go see one movie the rest of your life, it should be Dante's Peak. <laughs> <laughs> it had come out that week of the show. <laughs> it, it, I don't even know. So, do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah. 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 I think Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan, yeah. yeah. I couldn't even tell you that. <laughs> oh, like, but like the thing is, is, it's so incredibly random and random. Well, what, you know what whatever. Else it is? He was a whore for publicists. That's oh. what it bothered me. So a joke like that, yeah. in my mind, it's like, so the studios have said, hey, Larry, get in a plug for Dante's Peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he yeah. owes someone a favor, so he'd say yeah. it. Uh, just, just uh, it's absolutely amazing, and the fact, and the fact that you guys, uh, almost as if I mean, uh, I heard Ron Howard give an interview recently, and he said that uh, he now he knows Tom Hanks's impression of him, and now when he's on set and he gets mad, he'll essentially do more Ron Howard, Ron How like Ron Howard does an impression of Tom Hanks doing, doing Ron, Ron Howard, Howard now. 
So like he's stepped his game up. I almost think Larry King did the same thing where he saw that and went, I should do that. <laughs> and I did have a couple opportunities to meet him yeah. over the years. Oh, fantastic. And so I told him to his face that I wrote those. Yeah. He was always a good sport about it. He's, He's like, little- I appreciate that, Hugh. You ever had the bubble gum inside of a <laughs> Don Russ baseball card pack? Uh, yeah. yeah Snickers is a hell of a candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> Think they'll come up with a sequel to it? What? Uh, who, um, who really uh, working on the show did you watch other than like Tracy blossom into such a performer did you see and immediately go okay superstar that person can just take anything make it great yeah I mean for certainly Will Ferrell yeah yeah and I'm sure I'm not the first person to tell you for that, sure but, but was I, it one moment or, or table read or because I'm curious what the first interaction or, or just you know thing comedically you saw of him where you, you right because I always felt Table reads could be misleading because someone could crush at a table read yeah, and then yeah. you'd see them do it on camera and go... Someone just wouldn't translate. But I'll tell you one where it actually... I didn't realize that it was that great mm-hmm. was <clears throat> Molly Shannon doing Mary Catherine Gallagher. Oh, yeah. If I recall correctly, the sh- like Lorne himself was so unsure if it was going to do well that it was the last sketch of the night at dress rehearsal. And, you wow. know, that's where he buries something. Right. Yeah. Where he, it, he knows it's probably going to get cut. Exactly. And it's so was through the roof yeah. at dress rehearsal that he moved it to virtually at the top of the show, which almost never happened. Wow. Oh, my God. But I remember it, it just seemed a little weird, mm-hmm. and no one, I wasn't convinced that it was going to do well. Well, because that's one of those things where when you read it on the paper, like, you don't see the jokes there. Right. You, you don't see, it's not a setup punch, it's no. not a, it, it, it's something to where just that character is in and Molly Shannon is so locked in. I agree. And just so committed. Yeah, brings it so committed. off the page so well that she she makes that where you can give the same role, the same words, everything to one of the other cast members and it wouldn't have gone as well. I completely agree. Yeah, it just unbelievable. And then so so you saw that and go, oh, "Okay, this is something." That that's actually true. Is- and then Fallon certainly I saw him blossom yeah. because I think it was a slow build to him. But Weekend Update, if I recall, was yeah. where he would score right. with yeah. his guitar stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he was a really good impressionist. Still is, I yeah. Him, he did Sting and some other things. Yeah, he really with. brought a different, uh, just a, a, a collection of impressions that the show kind of hadn't seen before, and like some younger, fresher ones. And Very true. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, did you... Brian Fellows, did you have any hand in that? Yes, but that's an interesting question. I did, but only in this sense. I wrote the very first Brian Fellows, yeah. but it was not him as a zookeeper. Oh. It was Brian Fellows as a sports commentator. <laughs> and my bit that really? I discussed, yes, and it aired. Brilliant. It was on Weekend Update, if you go watch it. Huh. And he was basically a super effeminate guy <laughs> who talked about sports, but you were confused because you're going, he doesn't really seem to be into like right. a sports guy, yeah. Right. They score touchdowns. <laughs> exactly. And that was sort of the conception. It, it did fine. It yeah. certainly didn't do great. Yeah. And then Tim Hurley, to his credit, who was a senior writer at the show, yeah. he came to me and he goes, do you mind if I take that Brian Fellows thing you did with Tracy and revamp it? And I'm like, sure. And he came up with the idea for the, the zoo thing. Gotcha. Yeah. So, well, that's, that's shit. The, I mean, the fa- I mean, that's... You know, to me, you created that character. Well, thank you. Obviously. I would say I co-created it yeah. with, with Tracy because yeah, I took sure. a room with Tracy and we would just riff. Yeah, I mean, he sort of went into that thing, but he didn't really have a context for it. Right. And of course, I'm always going to write it as sports stuff. Cause yeah, yeah, because that's what you yeah. love. And yeah. then, and then I hear that about other cast members, not just Tracy, to where 
and I heard this about like Farley and Sandler, where they wouldn't necessarily be you know at their computers or like writing it but they just go in the room they riff they just go well that's cert- like farley couldn't write yeah that was the rap on him yeah S- sandler actually can write mm-hmm. and was talented but he also had so many writer fans yeah internally which is what I you think, want right if you're you a want. performer you just exactly. want people then, constantly bringing you stuff exactly right. and i think that happened with sandler he i mean robert smigel was one of his yeah true beneficiaries sure and some other people too and i mean it do you see that happen when when you're when you're a writer, do you see the cast members kind of like uh, uh, essentially like a school dance, like try to partner up with somebody? Very and, much so. Yeah. In fact, Lauren tells them all that it's the only way they're going to survive. Wow. Because no cast member can make it really on their own. Yeah. You have to have the writing staff helping you. Sure. And if you have the wrong personality, and I, this has happened a lot, people mm-hmm. are just, they don't get it. Mm-hmm. And they ended up alienating writers, yeah. And they don't have good material. It, were were there times when you would see someone, and you don't have to name names, but you would see someone going, ah, "They're talented, but they're just not playing the game right. Definitely. They're not. They're not playing the SNL politic absolutely game right. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And uh, I didn't see this too much when I was there, but si- cast members since I left the show, mm-hmm. I've heard stories about some of them becoming a little too big for their britches while they're still on the show. Yeah. And then turning off the writers because they've copped a new attitude. Oh, sure. Yeah. Them to work. Sure. But I'd say of the cast I worked with, I didn't experience that. People yeah. stayed very loyal to the writers. So you were there during the Sherry O'Terry, Will Ferrell uh, cheerleader. Uh, That's correct. Yeah. When you were talking about like, the two of them, seeing them do that yeah. was kind of electric because honestly, it wasn't a, the writer's favorite bit. Mm-hmm. But it was the public's favorite bit, yeah. Sure, and there was the no denying that it was just gold. You can't predict that, can you? I guess you just see it live, and you you feel maybe the energy in the room on the live night, and you're like, okay, that's probably going to translate through the TV, correct, to millions of and people. To, going back to what you just said about you can't predict it, there was a writer who joined the staff when mm-hmm. I was there, and he came in sort of guns blazing. He's like, I- I'm just uh, you know I want to write some recurring characters, and I go. How about writing an occurring character? <laughs> How about writing one where it's on the air fucking once? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. That's, like, that's, you're thinking a little ahead, my right, friend. Right. You're like, going to create. A, that's like when you guys experience people going, yeah, can you guys just create a viral video? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's what we'll do. <laughs> yeah. Here, here it is. It's yeah. going to get 14 million hits, okay? Is that good? Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, you wanted 30 million? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll go back. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, that's what I should have been doing. It's, it's viral because you don't know it's viral, you yeah. moron. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same thing with a recurring character. Yeah. How could anyone predict? You can't. No way. I mean, there's, you know, I, I guess there's, even in a viral video, there's, you know, I guess the elements of, like, being topical helps. Um, having a star helps. Having a star, having it be, like, a... Having a, a cute cat. A cute cat. <laughs> tits. Uh, having to be less than two minutes. But, like, even all that stuff even doesn't that stuff. guarantee it. And you've done, you're a master at doing, you know, pop culture, topical. Sure. It's like, how could anyone predict that? Like, yeah. yeah. When, when you guys, um, to transition to uh, Showbiz Show, um... First of all, to create a show and have it get on and on Comedy Central with somebody like Spade and have it be popular, I mean, that must have just been the best. It was the best, and it was also a complete miseducation, because I go, oh, this is easy. Hmm. Why are people always complaining that it's hard to get a show on the air? This <laughs> right. First, of course, I've learned. That was your well, first one to on the... First one ever. <laughs> wow. I pitch a show. Ruined you. It goes on the air. Yeah. It's got Spade. It's three got great three seasons. 
Yeah, so that was yeah. Such- it's basically an extension. You're like, oh, this is what he did on SNL. Everyone's going to love it. Exactly. Pop culture. We're now in an age where, when that show was on, where it was very much welcome to to tackle and make fun of what was happening. Correct. You mm-hmm. know, my my regret is that show was. A little before its time, believe it or not. Yeah, well, because TMZ didn't exist. TMZ didn't exist. You must have exist. Yeah, the internet. I, I know that sounds weird. Oh, but wow! It wasn't even an era where. But those clips would have been passed around like Correct. crazy. Tosh kind of hit it right at the right time. Yeah, right and time. and now he's making fun of celebrities, and it's and, that's exactly right. Yeah, and then, so you guys would yeah it would oh be more. I mean, I guess just pre-taped bits, and then what? And then, and then even all his stuff. Yeah, but if you had clips and things yeah. to refer to, the way TMZ does. Oh my gosh! Yeah, sure. home run. Yeah, it's it, still great. Yeah, thank you. you. Well, and then and you we have had Spade a, like great. commenting on like paparazzi videos. You exactly. could have, you could have all that, all that. Yeah. So yeah, that was I didn't realize it at the time. Yeah, but we were a little ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah. Hey everybody, Adam Ray here. And if you're like Brad and I, you've got a hairy face because you're a grown man who grows hair. All right. But look, shaving can be kind of a hassle, especially when you're buying these expensive razors at the at the drugstore. Okay, for decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of their customers. So Jeff and Andy, all right, two ordinary guys who are fed up with getting ripped off. They were like, this is bullshit. And Andy was like, I know, man, fuck it. So they started Harry's. Okay, what is Harry's? Well, Harry's was created to fix the shaving industry for customers okay harry's knew that there was only one way to ensure quality so they bought their own factory and by taking less profit and selling directly to you over the internet harry's offers their blades at half the price i'm telling you dude shaving is the worst but when you have great razors at affordable prices it makes it easy it makes your smooth face feel better because you know you're doing it right just two dollars a blade compared to the four dollars or more you pay at the drugstore man that's some bullshit now, what do you get when you sign up with Harry's Razors? Well, they include everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, baby. Weighted, ergonomic handle, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich, lathering shave gel, which, let's be honest, when you've got dope shave gel, it makes the shave better, okay? Maybe I'm speaking from personal experience, but that's how it goes. And Harry's gives you that option. They also have a travel blade cover, which is dope if you're like Brad and I and you travel a lot. Uh, you need to keep that shit covered up and protected, baby. So there's an exclusive offer right now, okay? If you want to get Harry's and start uh, just shaving better and improving your quality of life and your face, because you're probably out in public if you have a fucking face. Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades, they want you to try their shave set for free. Do you hear that, man? For free. That's right. Okay. They cover the shipping when you sign up. So that's a pretty sweet fucking deal. And as a special offer to fans of the show, if you go to harrys.com, that's right, harrys.com right now and enter code ALN at checkout, you're going to get a post-shave bomb also for free, as well as your first shave set for free, like I mentioned earlier. That's a pretty dope deal, man. That's harrys.com, promo code ALN. harrys.com, promo code ALN, and start living with that better face, baby. Hey, everybody. Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast. Look, do you like food? Probably. You're a person. You have hunger desires. You like delicious food. Are you a busy professional couple or a large family that runs at a breakneck pace or somebody who, like me, just wants to start cooking more but doesn't have the tools or resources or is lazy as fuck and doesn't want to go to the store to get all the materials? HelloFresh makes all this shit easier and tastier and healthier than ever before to enjoy the experience of cooking new recipes and eating together at home. All right? Basically, they allow you to create recipes and plan meals uh, without doing the grocery shopping because all that shit gets delivered to you pre-measured and delivered right to your doorstep so that you can cook 
and be a baller in your own home. Uh, super easy. Okay, look, HelloFresh, they basically created this whole program so that people like me, like you, like Brad, who are using this, uh, we like to cook, you know, but we, it's like we're so busy. We don't have time to go out to the store and get everything and then bring it home and measure it out. And just it takes so much fucking extra time. HelloFresh gets that shit pre-measured. All the ingredients for you, and then they send it to you to your doorstep, and all you got to do is cook that shit up and enjoy it, all right? HelloFresh, they source the freshest ingredients, measure to the exact quantities, so there's no food waste, all right? They have full-time registered dietitians who review each recipe to make sure they're nutritionally balanced, and guess what? They deliver all this shit to your doorstep in a special insulated box for free, okay? Look. We all fantasize about being baller cooks in our own home, okay? Everyone sees Wolfgang Puck on TV when he's like, Look at me, I made the new fanciest pizza that everybody loves and everybody wants to fuck me. And you're like, Puck, you're the man, dude. How did you get to that level? Well, he cooks and measures shit out. And guess what? You can do that too at home, but you don't have to measure it out because HelloFresh does it for you and they send it to your doorstep for free. For free is a big key here, all right? So do you want to start living life better and tasting the, all the good fruits and foods and veggies and meats that life has to offer? Go to HelloFresh.com and use promo code ALN35 to get $35 off your first week of deliveries and start living life the good way, man. I'm telling you, HelloFresh is the shit, dude. I used to hate cooking. Now I do it all the time because of HelloFresh. And uh, at first it was like, all right, this is a sponsor for the podcast. I'll try it out. I actually love it, and uh, my mom just came down to visit, and we cooked up a storm, and she was like, this is such a great service. What, what is it again? I was like, hello, fresh, mom. She's like, what is it? I'm like, mom, I'm two feet away from you. I think you have hearing problems. She's like, I'm just high as fuck. Go to HelloFresh.com, promo code ALM35, and get $35 off your first week of deliveries and start tasting the better side of life. All right? And now enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. So, what do you think about trying to bring it back? Believe it or not, Adam, I think it would seem redundant because yeah. since then, between the soup yeah, and, and right. roasts and stuff, right. sort of talking honestly and meanly about show business doesn't seem as unique right. yeah, as it now, did then. Yeah, now, now there's 8 million YouTube guys that do the there's morning radio show bits that Correct. everyone's got to I think what we reporter. had, though, and I take a lot of pride in this, I think the quality level of our commentary was sensational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, Andrew Daly doing field pieces. Yeah, yeah. And um, the different people who would come on, Nick Swartzen doing desk pieces. It was just, there was a high quotient of talent. Was there anything you couldn't tackle or if you'd start to do a piece and Eddie Murphy? Well. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know if I don't know if I've ever told this story on a podcast, but I'm happy to tell you guys. I tried to get O.J. Simpson on the show and I spoke to him on the phone. What? And I got, I got shot down by the president of Comedy Central. That's how close... It's ironic that the president was doing the shooting and the killing of the bit. This is, a, of course, is that judge me morally for this. Herzog or someone yes, else? Yeah. Herzog. Okay. Herzog personally called me and said, you cannot do this. I was going to have OJ on the show, and I still wish here was my con- concept <laughs> that, of course, at the height of people hating him post, yeah. post-acquittal, I had this idea of what if we had OJ on as our Andy Rooney where he would just comment on meaningless pop culture stuff that had nothing to do with the murder. <laughs> so the you know what I hate about paper clips. <laughs> <laughs> so my example was, you know what I hate when you go to a movie theater and you step in line and they say, hey, for a dollar more, you can have a medium. You know what I say to them? If I want a medium, I'll tell you I want a medium. <laughs> The most mundane. And just everyone just looking at him like, when's when, he going to say it? Yeah. When's he going to say something? And my bit was that I wanted to have him introduce these. And now, 
words from Heisman winner O.J. Simpson. <laughs> That's how he'd bring him oh on. Oh, my God. So I sp- he That's called, such a great so bit. Yale Galanter, his lawyer, I got in touch with. Jew? <laughs> you said it. <laughs> One of the most hated lawyers in America. And I Yale Galanter? Yale really? Galanter. And sure I he's not black? This guy, and he, it, at first he seemed like he had no interest. Yeah. But I yeah. was relentless. I was going, like, you need our show. Oh, I go, you don't understand. I go, this will get people to think OJ's got a sense of humor. Yeah. It's not even mentioning his acquittal. Right. I didn't use the word murder. Yeah. I said, yeah. and what happened was, I was so convincing. He kind of go, that's not about it. He went and talked to OJ about it. Oh my I'm, god! I'm at the Showbiz Show offices with Tom Giannis, former SNL writer right. and director. Yeah, and they go, Hugh, O.J. Simpson's calling, <laughs> and of course they, the receptionist probably thought it was a joke, but yeah. I knew it wasn't, and I took the call. And I talked to him for probably 15 minutes, uh-huh. and he truly said stuff like, "You know, I love comment. I, I hosted Saturday Night Live. I was one of the best hosts ever." <laughs> Just like Donald Is that Trump, true? according to him, he yeah. did host. <laughs> But I love the something, fact that something like a black like, Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, I was saying like that his comedy credentials. Yeah, so I kind of let him ramble about. Did you ever see Naked Gun? <laughs> exactly. And then I, I was on that. Empty Nest season three. Yeah, yeah. Go back and look at it. No, you don't believe look at it. That. So I, I basically told him the idea, but I could tell he wow. he didn't even care what the idea was. It was all about money. So he actually really? said, the book, "You know, so we'll have to work out a thing where you have to pay me." Like he was basically saying, you have to send the checks to Florida. That's all he cared about. Yeah, was protecting his money. Wow. But I called Gavin Pallone, who was the exec, exec producer with me, mm-hmm. who, and Gavin's like, "This is genius. Do, do you know what this is going to do for this show? Yeah, have what it would have done. My God, it's going to be your uh, Hugh Grant, Jay Leno Tonight Show moment. You know? Yeah, the, the, one of the biggest media sensations, and we got cock blocked. Oh, by the network at the last second yeah. it, it, I mean we hadn't booked him we didn't have a date we just had the green light from OJ and his lawyer that he would do it that's a big green light and we would have sent a camera crew yeah to, and I would have written it and it, he just would have had to read it straight to camera yeah his, his commentary and you know he can do that he would have done it great and he, he, that, that, that would have been oh my god can you imagine <laughs> oh man it, I wonder if it really would have changed people's perceptions I don't think so. Yeah, it changed. But I mean, honestly, so like, but it would have like, ah, but he's a funny murderer. I think the fact <laughs> that, exactly, that there'd be talk about he's going to be on this David Spade comedy yeah. special show, yeah. people would watch. The ratings would be through the roof. Through the roof, dude. Even if it was half the people that watched his uh, trial, I mean, you're still getting even half millions. Even if people, of course, a lot of people would go, "How dare you?" That's so absolutely fine. Bring it on. I didn't give a shit. It's like they'd go, me, "How dare you?" And then they go, "What time is it on?" Does that? And because right. the show was so good. I yeah. feel like you'd watch the show and go, this actually is a funny, smart show. Yes. Even yeah. if I hate the OJ. What are they going to do next week? Well, and that, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's the classic line from the Howard Stern movie, Private Parts, that mo- pe- people would watch and people would listen to Howard longer that hated him. Because they, because they were just waiting for him to say something Certainly. crazy that they could write a letter about. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure people would, quote unquote, hate watch that episode and and the show wondering if OJ is going to be back the next week. That's exactly right. And you may oh my god, you make no mention of it whatsoever. No, that, that's what I thought was really clever about it. Oh, because you can't and you can't do like no. a weird pun at the end like no. that. That and, would be that, and and I'm OJ Simpson and that's my slice of life. Exactly. Like like you can't, you can't do that at all. 
You can't. No, you, you do it like it's a vacuum. And that's why I said that he's the Andy Rooney of our show. Oh yeah. Waxing God. poetic about things that bother him. <laughs> Where do you get that uh, type of wherewithal to, uh, I guess I'm curious, like when you were growing up, uh, where did you kind of start that's to a- develop your, your comedy style and your just chops as far I as... I would say, you know, being... I was never mistreated where I grew up, but I was an outsider. Yeah. I came from a Jewish, very progressive, democratic family, living uh-huh. in an all-Catholic super Republican neighborhood. Wow. And so that alone made me feel like an outsider. Sure. And I think that I never held back from letting everybody know that I was different and yeah. didn't agree with them. And mm-hmm. like I said, I wasn't, people didn't disrespect me that would argue about it, but I always felt that sort of speaking for the underdog, yeah. taking the opposite point of view from the majority. Yeah. So that's probably where it comes from. Where would um, some of your comedy start to uh, show itself? Like around the house or at school? Or? School, well like we performed our, our orchestra performed in Greenwood, Indiana, and Greenwood's famous for being one of the capitals of the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, wonderful! And so, <laughs> one of the most famous improv troops of all time, right? <laughs> so, me and a uh, an African American kid, Mark Clardy, I convinced him. I didn't tell anybody about this till we r- pulled up our bus at Greenwood. We had taken white pillowcases and made <laughs> Klan masks. <laughs> Holy shit! And we got off the bus wearing them. Holy course, fuck! There was no. Other than just completely sh- freaking out yeah. my classmates and our teachers, there was no repercussions. But I just well, love no, doing that. The, kind of stuff. Yeah, getting and a response, getting right? Getting a response. Yeah. And, and this wasn't it, the internet where now, if that happened, some kid goes over to the camera phone and then, <laughs> and now you're and now you're expelled for life. Right. <laughs> and you can see, like, I wasn't. I was the type of person. Who, I wasn't into dick jokes. I was yeah. into doing like political commentary with humor, which that was. <laughs> wow, wow, really? It was. Yeah. Amazing. What, so you were very interested in in what type of political humor is like a. I don't know, 13, 14. Well, for example, you know, Nixon was the most hated person in my family. Right. That mm-hmm. era. And, but among our, my neighbors, he was beloved. So one of the greatest gifts I ever got, my brother was in college in Boston, and he got me a Nixon mask. <laughs> and those were things that, like, you couldn't even buy. There was no internet. Yeah. yeah. They were sold, like, there was a joke shop in Boston that sold them. And, and you had to go there if you wanted. You had to go. Right. Exactly. They didn't and sell they, them in Indianapolis, and they couldn't be sold out because if they were, oh well. Correct. Yeah, they so couldn't order. I remember yeah. when my parents picked me up when I flew back from Boston. I wore the mask coming out of the. <laughs> oh. My parents love it. You could just see dirty looks. That's so funny. Of doing it, and uh, I went to a Passover seder where <laughs> the family were Republican, and when they opened the door for Elijah, yeah, there was me. There, there was mask. Tricky Dick. There was Tricky Dick again. My parents. That was hilarious. The host of the Seder took me aside and said, Hugh, you know, this is not an appropriate. Like, he was not happy. He's like, look, I was going to let you uh, hide the Afikomen, but... uh, Very good. That is now now a fucking... Nick you lost the Afikomen. But those would just be little examples of me. It's not even me publicly doing stand-up. No. It's me getting in my sense of humor. Just a couple people. A couple people. That's incredible. So you must have been... So excited when you're when you're writing for the Rob Lowe roast and then Ann Coulter's on the did damn you guys dance. watch? I oh did. Oh my god! Did. So that, just that, just so you know, I was responsible for Rob stuff. Okay, that's what I wrote. Great. I wrote Rob stuff. But yeah, yeah. He I, was very people funny. People say that he was the most hard hitting yeah host in the history of the show. A yeah. thousand percent. Right? Yeah. That's incredible. Man. So I've known Rob. We became friends when he hosted SNL. We instantly became friends. Now how did that friendship blossom? Well, because obviously because you look like him. Th- thank you very much. You and Rob. Yeah. <laughs> and Rob, Rob's not tall either. By the way. You goddamn right he's not. <laughs> yeah. So Rob hosted SNL when people. he did West Wing, mm-hmm. and I came up with you know the monologue where people in the audience stand up and yes. ask the host yes. questions. Yeah. So of course that's been around for years, but 
I did a thing where we, but the question I had Jim Downey stand up and ask, yeah. that was groundbreaking for SN, for SNL censors was, hey Rob, um, which is the room in the White House where they blow the president? <laughs> and we got to say blow the president. Oh no shit, never had been done on network. How did that slip past? No, it didn't. Slip That's past. what she said. It's in the script, <clears throat> and there was a big battle. Wow, and the highest echelons of NBC. Wow, and they allowed it. Big, big response in the room when he killed. Yeah. Kill, you yeah. think? Kill. Yeah. So wow. Rob loved that I wrote that monologue. That's so great. And uh, if you go, there's a Monday Night Football sketch you guys would love, uh-huh. where I had Daryl Hammond as Al Michaels, yeah, see if you can pull it up. Fallon yeah. as Dennis Miller, nice. and I just this cruel take on Dennis Miller just getting in non sequiturs that had nothing to do. I with mean, that was one of the that. Look, I love the idea of bringing a comedian into Monday Night Football. I still think like somebody like Swartzen would be great. Um, or, you know, obviously Caliendo uh, is already so integrated into the sports world. Right. But, like, Des Miller just never – also his voice. I just, like, I didn't want to listen to it with sports. I agree. Right? Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Um, and Fallon did a brilliant Dennis Miller. Like, Dana Carvey's was good. Yeah. Jimmy's was even more spot on. <laughs> wow. And uh, – but Rob loved that sketch. Uh, so, so, that's all, so then he goes, hey, let's just keep in touch. I mean, Yeah, like, like – and then Spade had a birthday party and Rob – and his wife Cheryl were at the party, and was like, "We should keep in touch." And then we've done stuff creatively over the years. That uh, that roast was, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, were you were you you're there for of it? Of course. Yeah? What I've only heard just from secondhand stories about Ann Coulter, and um, I mean, was it as terrible? She didn't want to do any of the jokes people wrote for, right? And then, by the way. They wrote her great jokes. Of course, of course they did. My buddy Tony Hinchcliffe wrote, I think, a bunch yeah. for her. Great ones because because they, because they're not biased. They were not biased. They just want a good joke. You're so right. And she was a fool to yeah. not take their jokes because she would have killed. Oh, they were great jokes. And that in the same thing that you were not trying to do, but what essentially would have happened with OJ, where people then start to, if she would have gone on and crushed it. And also made fun of herself. Laugh at I don't know one of the fucking jokes made about her. Yeah. Then people would have loved her. And up there trying to pitch the book. I mean, it was like she had her own uh, writer who I've known for years, Ned Rice. Uh, there. And to Ned's credit, he took her aside during yeah. one of the commercial breaks yeah. and said, "Anne, you have to smile. Yeah. You, you look like you're." Mi-. And she and she's so weird. She's like. Well, I don't think they're funny. The jokes aren't funny. He's like, it doesn't matter. Yes. Pretend. By the this way, this is TV. Just pretend you're having a good time. You have to. By the way, the audience is laughing. So you can't say like these jokes aren't funny because exactly. the audience is laughing. And this isn't about taking a stance against comedy. Like what's funny? Like you don't you don't get no. points if if you go I didn't think that was funny and I'm gonna have my face reflect that and people will see that and they'll appreciate that I stood my ground. What the fuck are you talking no. about? People just see you and they don't they see you smiling. They go oh cool. She's cool. In that brief moment they go yeah she fucking look laughed how, it off. Look how Rob handled it. Yes, yeah, come on. Just the most brutal jokes. Yeah. They were talking about him statutory raping a a, a, a woman in. In front and, of his wife and, and children. Rob, Rob was right. Just enjoyed it. Just rolled with it. if he didn't it. enjoy it, he's a great actor. Yeah. Because he just made it seem like it was all fun. It's one of the reasons why Lisa Lampanelli worked as well as she did. Because she would dish it out so hard. But then when people would talk about her vagina, her love of black dick, like all that, she she would be laughing the hardest. I agree. And that made everyone love her. Because they're like, oh, great. She can play. And... and and could have done that. Now she claims that the, the the booze and the silence was piped in, and and in the room she did well. Whatever. Who knows? I, I can't say because I never worked on this Lampanelli roast. No, but no, I mean uh, Anne Coulter. 
Oh, culture. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, look, I was there. That's not true. Yeah. That is not true. She she got a couple mild titters of laughter. I think the crowd wanted her to do well. That's what's crazy. Well, because they're rooting for her the same way they would root for a Martha Stewart right. or uh, uh, I forgot one of the one of the Brady girls did it a few mm-hmm. years back. But like. They always root for the one uh, that's not supposed to be there. Right. Like that, and that, and that's why Jewel had such a great crushed. set, right? Crushed in the room because she had fun with it, and expectations oh, were low. Exactly. Now it, I want to know what is the difference between writing for Steve Martin for the Oscars and Kermit <laughs> the Frog for <laughs> uh, Muppet Christmas? Well, to uh, I'll be I'll equally tell you this. Yeah. E- equally as absurd. Here's yeah. The the guys who do the Muppets are. 50,000 times harder to write for than Steve Martin. Yeah. Oh, because wow. they're so territorial. Oh, really? And argue about, Kermit would never say that. Fuck. And they argue with each other about, that's not true. In the 1983 Muppet Show, we did this. Like, they know every wow. nuance of these characters. Of course. So it made it very tough. They're trying to, to protect it. Protect it. Yeah. They're, they're immensely talented, those yeah. guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're... Also, so high strong. So it's writers who've been doing it for ever. most of them have done the voices for at least. Oh wait, okay. so Steve Whitmire, you'd be working with? Yeah, yes, I work with Steve. Exactly, he's now the voice of Kermit. He's done uh, Kermit for years. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine how protective. Super protective, and you know, honestly, they're they're super great actors. Yeah, most of them are not writers. Mm-hmm. So a my job is look. Look, yeah. you still have to have funny jokes yeah. that don't just sound funny out loud. I'm not here to ruin the Muppets, guys. I'm yeah, here to help exactly. you guys. So it was a bit of a creative battle, and then Paul Williams yeah. wrote some of the music. Of course, and he's obviously a living legend. Yeah, sure. I mean, he wrote mm-hmm. Rainbow Connection. That's right. Uh, did you get to, um, I guess, interact with some of the Muppets? Or uh... yeah, I, one of my favorite photos that I have in my collection is me with the Muppets, like them surrounding me. Oh, it's really cool. That's amazing. And, I want uh, that picture. Oh, uh, you want? The, I'll send it to you. And we shot it in Brooklyn. Because it was a it was a New York based story, right? At, uh, Adam's going to Photoshop his head into that. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, exactly. I'll yeah. just Photoshop my head over like Fozzie, so, <laughs> that, be, so you can still be in there. Yeah. Exactly. And um, no, that was a trip because I even said Disney owns the Muppets. So mm-hmm. when I was approached and hired, I go, I got to be honest, I, I don't write stuff this soft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't tell them that I'm not a huge Muppets fan, but I didn't really pay much attention to yeah. the Muppets. But you know, you give me an assignment. I'll do my homework. Yeah. And so I watched tons of stuff. And um, what did you watch? Like well. Muppet Treasure Island? Muppet Treasure Yes. I watched all <laughs> the That's features. one of the worst ones. I probably yeah. did see it. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Because there, there are some bad. I watched a lot of the old TV show, which is yeah. great. Um, incredible. And then we had really cool cameos for the movie that we did. It was. Well, and that's. Yeah, that's Uma one of the things. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's one right. of the things about the Muppet Show is it always had like, what the fuck? Exactly. What is Dom DeLuise doing on the Muppet Show? I had to go to Uma Thurman's Fifth Avenue apartment for her notes on the script. <laughs> wow. And really? Great. I walk in, she's like, kiss on each side. Yeah. yeah. Sit down. So here's what I want to do mm-hmm. it's not a discussion. Mm. It's like Uma telling you, here's what you're going to write that I'm going to do. Sure. Jesus. And, wow. uh, actually, I'm going to kill Bill, fight Miss Piggy. Exactly. Yeah, Jesus. It turned out fine. She actually had an angle yeah. that thankfully worked for the script. Because if it didn't work, I would have had to go to her and go, I can't make this work. Yeah. But her angle did work. And I wrote her some jokes, and she was fine with them. So it all turned out. Uh, Steve Martin is receptive? He's great. Yeah. And working with Steve was not in person. My stuff with him was all emailing him the jokes. Wow. And him sending oh, wow. feedback. But the joke that he did of mine... And what would that email be if you were to send uh, jokes to it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the one I did that he 
was called me the, the day after the Oscars to personally thank me was what? Do you remember there was a rumor that Russell Crowe there was a death threat? Yes. On his life. Okay, yes. And it was I, big news. I do remember that. So yeah. I wrote a joke where uh, Steve Martin said, uh, I understand Russell Crowe, who's here tonight, there's been death threats on your life, and the FBI's involved, and all I can say is, Tom Hanks, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> you got a huge laugh. And Tom Hanks, being such a trooper, they cut to him, yeah. Yeah. and he went, I'm sorry. <laughs> Because he's a fucking he's yeah. a gamer. Because he's, a, he's gamer. a pro. So a pro. So it's like it gets Be a, a gamer. Laugh, then he <clears throat> makes it a grand slam. Oh. So Steve was so happy with that joke. That's so I'll tell you the joke, though, I'm still upset that Steve didn't do. Oh, oh no. Fire it away. was the year of the Roman Polanski controversy. Oh, oh shit. shit. So oh, the joke geez. simply was, um, uh, oh, okay, I have to do the, where it's like a, a Roman, Polan, Roman Polanski I, I'm screwing up the joke. It basically was a reference to the movie that was nominated that year, Catch Me If You Can. Oh, yeah. But, oh, but that wasn't his oh, movie. Yeah. Right, but right, I, right. I basically linked those two. <laughs> yes. Which I, seems I, so great. I can see where the end... As as great as I know that that joke would have been and would have gone over the room, I I can still see why why they wouldn't. Steve it, doesn't. The structure do it. was something like Roman Polanski, of course, nominated for his amazing movie this year. Catch me if you can. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that was the joke. It seems like it would have been so God, great. That's uh, incredible. Yeah. It, and, and just I respect anyone who writes for those because talk about something where, like with the Oscars, it, it, the, the the joke has to be so fast because it's already a nine hour long show, so you don't want to add. Uh, too much more onto it, and then on top of that, it's got to be like, can it can it be edgy, but then still not offend the Hollywood crowd, but then kind of be it 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 it, it, it has to totally hit on all right. markets. Of course, I'm not thinking about that. Cause it's not You're my just job, writing. But Steve has a great yeah Spidey sense. God, jokes are right. My favorite. Uh, I I don't know if you saw the Emmys this year. But uh, uh, Kimmel hosted it. Yes. And my favorite joke that he did, and he didn't even do it. He just had the announcer go, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the stage, Dr. Bill Cosby. I heard about that. And er, you you see the camera cuts to the celebrities in the room like, wait, what the wow. fuck? What the f-? And then Jimmy just runs out and goes, I just want to see what you guys would do. <laughs> That's pretty great. It, it was so so good. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you don't mention anything. You don't mention it, it, it's always what you don't mention sure. and what you hide and like the OJ thing. Like the OJ thing. What you don't say that it, it, it goes all the way back to Elvis Presley. You just reminded me of a thing. I, if I were on SNL this week, yeah, you guys, I thought a really cool template would be to run a. It seems like a political ad that's anti-Trump. Yeah, and just say the most vicious vile things about him yeah and at the end go i'm hillary clinton and i did not approve this message <laughs> so that way it's like i had nothing to do yeah, with the commercial yeah, 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 yeah. Like, disclaimer I, I didn't approve That's the message good, yeah. it's yeah. not my message i saw it but <laughs> yeah. yeah i did not approve just yeah. do a series of them God, God, be to great. say horrible things I i'm sure you see them. so much with now with what's going on where you're like oh man like i mean right like chomping at the bit since chomping this is your world politically with comedy to i mean have a, an outlet for that i mean yeah and it's um Obviously, you don't want to be trite and repeat what someone else has done. Yeah. There's so much commentary, but sometimes you'll have just a, a unique angle that no one's done. Yeah. And you go, oh, I'd like to get that out. Do there. you uh, tweet things or do you like, I mean, do you have an outlet for I that? I don't. Yeah. I, I choose not to, but it does never say never. Yeah. Although mm-hmm. I hear you, I'm sure you guys heard that Vine is dead. I just heard about Vine it. Vine died that. today. Vine died today. Yeah, Vine 
I mean, let's all Our, take a let's all take a six second moment. <laughs> to fucking, uh, let's all in hundred and twenty four characters <laughs> yeah. obituary to fuck. Right. I mean, look, it's I, I I I recognize how tough this business is. So it's mm-hmm. like you know, I'm not going to hate on the way that somebody can get in and make their mark and get their start or whatever. But you know, coming from a sketch world of like, I just I do feel like it was a Vine was kind of a shortcut. Like, I would fuck around with it here and there, but never could fully get into it because I, every time I did, I felt like I was forcing myself to. And every time I would do it, I was like, oh, I'm contributing to what I felt, I felt like was slowly crushing sketch right. and, yeah. and actual comedy with, like, um, you know, uh, with setups and, like, building something and building a moment. With six seconds, it's just like a... There's not much you can really do as far as like storytelling. Totally, I guess that's what you, yeah, that's character in, development. Yes, yes. In, yeah. In six in six seconds, it just kind of makes you go. <laughs> yes, you're totally right. That's about it. Is there, is there, a, a, is there a giant bust, gut busting laugh from a six second? Probably not. My favorite vine of all time just made just made me go. <laughs> and it, and it, it, it's just a a, a a look at a like a, like a door, and then all and it's for like. Four seconds, just a door, and a picture of Ben Affleck ri- uh, rises up, and then the beginning of the Bare Naked Ladies song just plays. It goes, it's Ben. I've seen that one. And then it just stops. Right. <laughs> and, right, that's the reaction. <laughs> yeah. It just makes you go. <laughs> yeah, and you watch it like five times. Yeah, and you go, okay, repeats. good. I'd rather What's actually next? like experience the joy of laughter than going, that's funny. Right, exactly. I'll take that any day of the week. Here's my question: Are they now going to evict everyone who lives in that building at Vine? Oh, the Vine building? Vine building. <laughs> I think they should be gone. <laughs> Guess what? You're you're, well, you're uh, saying all the Vine stars that live in that. Stars. Yeah, get yeah. them out. Yeah. Hey, I've got two you're dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> I've got two in my apartment building. So you're, I'm uh, make way for I'm the MySpace waiting. kids. Guess what, guys? <laughs> Your format no longer exists. Yeah, so you yeah. gotta move. You're out. Yeah. Yeah. Building. Oh my They're god. They're fine. They'll go buy a house somewhere. <laughs> fucking yeah, stupid rich somewhere. I do want to mention too, just as far as you saying like getting a project and maybe it being out of your comfort zone and jumping all in. Um, you were kind enough to let me come to a bunch of sets of shows you've worked on, and uh, but one that really impressed me was the the Nickelodeon Mom Show. Yeah. Uh, what was the name? Parental of Parental Discretion. That did a handful of seasons, it right? Did two seasons. It was forty six episodes. I mean, the show. I mean, refresh people's m- memory for what the sure. show was. So there was a short-lived network on Nickelodeon called Nick Mom. Yeah. That was, mm-hmm. believe it or not, it was not for kids. It was adults only. Like yeah. PG thirteen yeah. R. Yeah. And it was a late night irreverent talk show about parenting, yeah. mostly from a mom's perspective. Which, and I know Adam's sister loved the show. Yeah, so I remember you loved it. Miller. What a great concept. It was a good concept. Oh, I thought you it know, would run forever. Failed network, but a cool concept. Yeah. And, you know, I made it, tried to make it very smart and hip and irreverent and sure. have on funny female moms. They had yeah. a panel, and then the ho- your host was Stephanie Wilder Taylor was yeah. great, and we had on really good panel. Yep. Um, Marilyn Ricegub actually yep. did some, uh, but it, it was a cool show. In a world of such niche channels, and I, I just don't see why that can't be a thing. It seemed like it should have been, and I, I feel like that was unfortunately that was a network that was on no one's radar. Yeah, like people online stuff got higher ratings than that show did. Well, sure, because it, it, it's a kids network. Correct. And I mean, granted, they they kind of made it work with Adult Swim and Cartoon Network saying, you know, like then, but it, it took a while. You're right. They had they had to be patient with it. That's correct. Uh, so, but I could totally see that because the the stuff that's quote unquote for moms is all daytime. 
talk and so not edgy. Not and edgy. Just, we so rebelled against that. Yeah. And tried to talk about stuff honestly. The and, edgiest thing that happened in daytime talk was when uh, the ladies of The View walked off the set for Bill O'Reilly. You're like, right. Like, yeah. that, like, that's like the edgiest, like, oh, that's crazy. Right. And personally, that angered me because I looked at Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg and said, you're comics. You should not walk away. It's a good point. You should stand there and you should be able to go toe to toe with symbolic fucking act. everybody. And yeah. then yeah, you're, uh, I so you're saying things I don't like, so I have to go into my safe space. Fuck right. you. Sorry, right. that's my rant. No, <laughs> I, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen an angry dwarf before? That's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you have two daughters. Correct? I have two daughters. How how old are they now? Thirteen and ten. Wow. I mean, my niece is being seven, and I'm already already so protective and worrisome about them growing up in this world how are you dealing with that it's not that's not something that keeps me up at night yeah i think that's my, my own upbringing yeah that i always feel like you can't live your life with that attitude of i don't trust the world and yeah. there's a lot of bad people out there because yeah. if yeah. that if you adapt that attitude how can you get out of bed in the morning totally no. so i try to delude myself into going people are inherently good the world is inherently good, and I want my kids to both feel secure in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that I want them traveling. Cool. I want. Yeah, you them seem like a cool. Thank if you. If you have a cool, funny dad, I feel like your kids are going to be dope. If, as long as you don't, they're not handed horrible narcissism or neuroses yes. or something like that, right? Sure. Yes. But um, yeah, like my daughter is in New York. She's on Washington D.C. on a school trip. Yeah, and awesome. she's going to see Hamilton tomorrow oh, in great. New York, which is amazing. Incredible. But Jealous. both of my kids, I feel like they should travel the world and the country. Yeah, that's do they a, that's have, experience things. Do they, do they, are they more into comedy because of you? Do they help influence your taste they, at all? I think that they have good taste, and I think they like stuff that's you know has a point to it. Yeah. But they don't really give me the props of like, wow, you're hilarious. Or, <laughs> yeah. They're more impressed with... Because you're dead. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, you, you've worked with Will Ferrell. My, one of my daughters is very impressed that I've worked with Britney Spears on SNL. Oh, sure. yeah. That's a big deal to her. Dad, do you know about Vine? <laughs> <laughs> These guys are funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, I will choke you. Yeah, do they ever come to you and say, like, you, like, this is funny, you should write about this? Or, like, Dad, this thing just happened and it's uh, my big old, on Snapchat. My, my oldest does. Or, or she'll say, you should look at that because it's really funny. Like, mm-hmm. she'll say, if you think you know what's funny, watch that. And how often, if you look at that, is it actually funny? 50-50. Yeah, yeah, there you exactly. go. Yeah, good. Which is about... It's a good percentage. Yeah. The youngest watches Modern Family, which I'm not crazy... I mean, it's a well-written show. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's necessarily age-appropriate. Yeah. But it's sort mm-hmm. of like, once it started, I couldn't what are you gonna stop do? it. What are you yeah, gonna do? and the more you fight against it, the more she'll find... Show, she'll, the more she'll watch it, and shows worse than that. That's exactly right. Just to rebel. That's right. Uh, Hugh, you're one of these guys that, if people are watching a show and you see Hugh Fink's name attached to it... You know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be cutting edge. Yep. And you know you're going to hear jokes that aren't your typical uh, laissez-faire. Like you're, oh, I really it's appreciate gonna, that. It's going to be some well-written stuff. And we've gone through uh, not even half your yeah. uh, You have to come back for a part two with more yeah, stories. Because we, lo- we would love to hear more. And uh, yeah, it's just, just you're a- and you have range from... Nickelodeon shows to the Muppets to DL Hughley to the Oscars to SNL you could write for anything and uh, yeah, the DL show is dope yeah thank that, you I mean that guy too talk about a guy that's just locked in like with his point of view so good courageous you guys seem just synonymous as far as like your political comedy opinions I would agree with that and that was another case where if you'd put that show on a comedy network yes. I think it would have been through the roof yes. you put it on a news network where uh, the, the fact c- that it's CNN and people are going 
but this isn't true what you're saying. Right. I want, this is not news. Yeah. yeah. So what are you going to do? But yeah. I, I appreciate your kind words. And by the way, the what makes my job fun and easier is when I get to work with people like you. Because it's always midgets. This, 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 <laughs> it's like discovering funny writer performers yeah, who yeah, I yeah, can yeah. sort of help and go, okay, you have a vision. Let's combine. Like that's yeah. how it works. Yeah, Love you've that. been. I mean, so generous. When uh, I mean, I should be bouncing more stuff off you. But when I first, the first thing I really tried to write, you were so incredibly generous to like give me notes, like immediately back and forth, and uh, and that was invaluable as far as t- just getting me. You know, having some somebody to give you feedback that is like you know the highest level of feedback, and to have it, uh, you know, you were very honest with all of it, and it, like uh, it really helps shape you when you're getting going to also um, feel the fire to be like, okay, cool, I have to like, you know, I sent this back and it came back, and I said I was going to get it to you this this time, and it you know really forced me to put pen to pad and sure. So, um, well, hopefully next time we can. Uh, um, get OJ's number by that time. <laughs> Yale Galanter. <laughs> you hear that, Yale? We're coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, you. So, that's the show. Thanks for tuning in. We had laughs and stories. Now go listen to more episodes on iTunes or your phone. Subscribe and tell your family and everyone you know. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Boy, they're a lot of fun, huh? Why don't you subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast, give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? (laughs) Nice.